Good morning, everyone. It is me back again with a new podcast. And today we're going to be doing another book review. Um, we're going to be reviewing the book called Cruel Summer. It is written by a fellow Incid author known as Rowan Hill. Um, this story is thriller slash romance. It is completed with 20 chapters. It has a 4.5 overall rating with two reviews, and the age rating itself is 18 and up. Um, also, sorry if my voice sounds weird. Uh, I just woke up like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> I thought it'd be a great idea to, you know, do an episode. <laughs> Alright, so without further ado, we're gonna read the summary. Carter Magnus, heiress to the mining fortune, arrives in the Great Barrier Reef, Australia, with a duffel bag, a week's worth of clean clothes, and a few hundred bucks to her name. Best of all, no one knows she is here, and she plans to keep it that way. And after taking a job at the local yachting company, taking tourists out on the reef, she is happy to spend her time away from anyone from her past, and instead with Jackson, the irritable but handsome captain of her yacht. While Carter knows she is hiding something and hopes to hell no one finds her to reveal them, Jackson also has his own secrets and is confident that sooner or later they will catch up to him on the reef. So as far as summaries go, giving it a first glance, um, it's not the worst summary I've ever heard in my life. However, giving it a closer look, there's um, accessible uses of commas, especially in the first paragraph. Um, there are certain phrases that just don't really make sense, um, and it just honestly has to do more so with wording. Um, for example, uh, when you have this spot right here, um, well, Carter knows she's hiding something and hopes to hell no one finds her to reveal them. So the term hiding something is singular. She's hiding something. That's one particular thing that she's hiding. Saying to reveal them, reveal them, and them implies a multitude of things. So... Yes, it just comes down to wording, but it does make a difference in your sentence and the impact that it has. Because if you read, while Carter knows she's hiding something and hopes to tell no one finds her to reveal them, Jackson also has his own secrets. Um, it just, just kind of like loses its luster a little bit with the way that you worded it. Um, also, you have already mentioned she has secrets, or she, you implied very heavily that she has secrets because she's saying that she doesn't want people from her past affecting her current present situation um i would definitely reword that um i would definitely say um <clears throat> though carter knew she had her secrets she soon learns that she isn't the only one with baggage as jackson fights his own personal battles and the reason why i changed that so much is because i didn't want to have the repetition issue with the word secrets because you have jackson also has his own secrets and then i had had it switched for Carter to also say she has secrets. So saying that Jackson instead has his own personal baggage and battles to fight is still implying that he has um, a past that he may not want people knowing about, um, but you're breaking up the repetition. It's also just giving it more of a punch as well because you're using the word baggage and you're using the word personal battles, which are two different things that you don't have here. Um, so it's gonna make it seem more dramatic. Also, you have wild carter knows she's hiding something i don't really like the term wild carter um just because again you've already kind of explained that she has her baggage so it doesn't really make sense to just repeat it and um 
it's just for me personally i just don't really care for that uh wild carter part right there um i also think that your summary kind of lacks a little bit of luster and by that i mean it it lacks a punch so to speak like there's just nothing about it really that would keep me going because the way that you end the summary and is confident that sooner or later they will catch up to him on the reef um it just doesn't leave that big of a punch at the end not doesn't leave like a ooh, what's gonna happen next you know what i mean especially considering this is kind of like a you know fresh start type of situation where there's two people who have these uh, secrets they don't want other people to know about. It's pretty obvious that they're probably gonna end up confiding in each other about it. Um, you really wanna kinda like amp up the mystery aspect a little bit more. Um, I honestly personally would probably swap a few things around in your summary um, just to get that more impactful punch. Um, I actually uh, paused the recording long enough to actually at least swap over some stuff just to give you a general idea of how it could be done. So I had uh, written after taking a job with a yacht company. I say yacht instead of yachting because it's not a yachting company, it's a yacht company. It's, you know, having the ING there is just kind of tedious and it's just really unnecessary. Um, and that said, you do tend to use a lot of your adverbs and I'll get into that later. Um, so after taking a job with a yacht company, a young Carter Magnus seeks a place of refuge on the Great Barrier Reef in Australia. So so with that sentence alone, you have uh, Carter Magnus, comma, heiress to the mining fortune, comma, arrives in the Great Barrier Reef, comma, Australia, comma, with a duffel bag, comma, a week's worth of clean clothes, comma, and a few hundred bucks to her name. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six commas in one sentence. That is completely unnecessary, but with the way that I reworded it, I only used one comma in one period. So that's a proper sentence. Um, there should never ever be a reason to have six commas in one sentence ever. Um, so if you reword it the way that I just did, you're still saying the same thing using less commas and it's more impactful. With only a black duffel bag, a week's worth of clean clothes, and a few hundred bucks to her name, Carter is happy to spend her days away from anyone belonging to her past. Now I changed the wording you have here as well. You have, um, she's happy to spend her time away from anyone from her past. So from anyone from. Though from is technically a very, it's not a synonym term uh, word that you can really have a lot of synonyms for, and I get that, but you do still want to try to break away from that repetition. So saying belonging to her past is still saying that they are from her past and they just don't belong in her current present. So you're still saying the same thing, just using a different word. Um, and that's, that's all I had to rework because I didn't want to try to rework everything because I wanted you to have the opportunity to see what I wrote and maybe change the rest of it the way that you want to change it. Or if you don't decide to change it, you don't decide to change it. This is obviously just my opinion. So moving forward from that, we are going to start reading this prologue. And honestly, the prologue is very, very long. Um, so I might just read the prologue today. Um, it depends on really how long this is going to last because I try not to exceed at least maximum 40 minutes when I do these reviews mostly because I'm sure you guys get bored of hearing me talk about things for long periods of time and I don't want to bore you all. So I am going to probably just read the prologue today. Um, Alright. Rob snaked his hand around the new girl's neck and pulled her across the center console of the Camaro, delving deep into her mouth right in front of me. From the back, I looked her over and ruefully smiled to myself. The man had too much charm for Adonis, let alone an oil tycoon's smoking hot sun. The high cheekbones, strong jaw, short wavy dirty blonde hair, and Calvin Klein Marky Mark body. No girl stood a chance. I watched as his tongue explored her mouth and looked away to take a swig of the fireball whiskey, now nearly half empty. Now, I'm gonna stop right here real quick. 
The one thing I want to point out is by the summary we are aware that Carter is a woman. She's a female. But when you have um, right here, from the back I looked her over and ruefully smiled to herself. The man had too much charm for Adonis, let alone an oil tycoon smoking hot sun. So the smoking hot sun part makes me, as a reader, assume that Carter is a man, not a woman. Um, and it's just the way that you worded it is why it comes off that way. Because um, I don't really know... I don't really know what you're trying to go for here. The man had too much charm for an Adonis, let alone an oil tycoon smoking hot sun. Um, so yeah, I'm just really confused with that sentence right there. Because it does kind of come across as if Carter is a man and not a woman. Um, squeezing my eyes shut as the inferno raced down my body, I glanced outside to the dam. The sound was slightly muted by the car windows and the sound of Phil Collins in the air playing softly through the back speakers. But they still fiercely roaring even though we were 60 feet above the river it ejected water into. So here's another issue I'm having. You have the sound was slightly muted. You haven't explained what sound at all. So I don't know what sound is muted. Um, and then you have a repetition, of course, with the, the sound was slightly muted and then the sound of Phil Collins in the air playing softly through the back speakers. And then you have, but they still fiercely roaring. Not only is that fiercely roaring incorrect in just the way that you have worded it, but it's also just doesn't make any sense because I don't know what is fiercely roaring. Um, I don't know what's being muted. And if something is muted or slightly muted by another sound, it's not going to still be fiercely roaring because you're not going to hear that fierceness of whatever it is. So it's kind of a contradictory sentence as well. Um, also, you're using a lot of INGs and LYs and adverbs. Um, depending on how often I see those, I might go into a little spiel of why that is not good. <laughs> Moving forward. Uh, yeah, I just really would like to have you clarify more so what exactly is being muted and kind of just watch out for that contradiction. The brunette moaned into his mouth, his hands now beginning to wander, and it was suddenly way too hot to stay in the tiny space of his douche performance car. Again, you have right here, the brunette moaned into his mouth, his hands now beginning to wander. This is not in Rob's perspective, so I feel like it's kind of odd to express it in a way that it seems as if the main character themselves is experiencing this moaning into the mouth type situation. So I would maybe say the abrupt sound of the abrupt moaning broke me from my thoughts, the car becoming suddenly way too hot to stay in, or something along those lines. Um, just because like you, it's more of an observation than an actual experience. I mean, she is experiencing the sounds, but not in the way that you wrote it, if that makes any sense. This could just be me being nitpicky as well. Um, and it was suddenly way too hot to stay in the tiny space of his douche performance car. Escaping its confines, I opened the door, walked over to the side rails, and looked over to the darkened landscape of Boulder, Colorado. The far-off twinkling lights had lessened some due to the early hour, and I wondered what other recent college grads were doing on their Tuesday mornings. Probably doing normal early 20s people stuff. Um, I'm a big stickler about putting numericals in instead of just writing 20. 
probably doing normal early 20s people stuff. That just, I don't really like the way you described that <laughs> at all. Um, but I mean, this could just be the way that the character processes things. Uh, moving into a new apartment, going on first dates, writing job applications, trying to find themselves. I would say filling out job applications. Definitely not standing on top of a damn wall that they're on and off again. Casey ex-boyfriend got them through the damn security for. So, not only do I not like this sentence, I don't like the fact that when it comes to words such as damn and damn, D-A-M versus D-A-M-N, these are two words that sound the same or spelt differently and are two different things. Damn is a slur and then damn is a damn. It's something that blocks water and whatever. So you have on top of a damn wall and then you have through the damn security for. Now I want to assume that you mean the damn security as in the security for the damn. Um, and I also want to assume when you said damn wall, you meant the wall of the dam. Now the issue with that is not only is it repeating the same thing kind of in the same manner, but also when I read not staying on top of a damn wall, whether that's me reading it or hearing it, I'm going to assume you mean the slur. So I would try not to repeat those two words at all. I would just find a different way to describe the fact that she's leaning on the wall. And you've already mentioned she's on the dam, so continuing to mention this is kind of tedious, in my opinion. So moving forward. Definitely not standing on top of a damn wall that they're on and off again, Casey ex-boyfriend got them through the damn security for, while he is priming a girl new to their town for what he was hoping for a threesome. Again, this sentence doesn't really make a lot of sense. And it's not because of, I can't see the scene you're painting, it's because you have a lot of words in here that aren't really needed. Um, priming any girl new to their town for what he was hoping for a threesome. So you have 4-4 for a threesome for what he was hoping for. For what he was hoping for is very fancy sounding to me. Like, it's, I feel like I know what you're going for. It's kind of coming off a little angsty, um, but it's just, it's not working in this area because there's just so many words that it just comes off a little too fancy for this type of uh, thought process, this type of scene. And also it just doesn't really make a lot of sense either because I feel like you're trying to put in information that you think is important, but you're not delivering it in the right way. I let out another sigh and brought the bottle to my lips. I don't know why you capitalized the B for bottle because you didn't, it's not a brand, it's a bottle. Catching a glimpse of the security camera on the light pole 50 feet, the light pole. Okay, you have L-I-G-H-T for light pole. Are you implying that the pole is light in weight or the pole is light in color? Because you could say the pale yellow pole 50 feet away or something like that, which would give off that it's light in color because you're giving a color and you're giving that it's pale. But calling it a light pole is misleading. I mean, like, I'm not expecting this character to walk up and pick up this pole and be like, ah, oh, it's so light. But at the same time, you're not really specifying what exactly is light about it. Um, it's a little detail, but it does make a difference when it comes to being confusing. Um, Glimpse of the security camera on the light pole 50 feet away as I tilted my head back for the fire and gave it a wink. Wonder if old Stryker Sr., heavy investor in the Granby Dam project, ever watched the security tapes? I snorted to myself. What a question. The old man had probably never even set foot onto the top of the wall like we were doing now. 
all the curmudgeon curmudgeon i know that that's a word probably ever did was watch zeros add to his bank account and wonder how much longer he could avoid talking to his son and heir in that empty sprawling ranch turning my back on the view far across the mountains to look back at the car again i don't really understand why you're adding all this detail like th this is what i'm talking about when i say that there is a balance with detail there's excessive and then there's minimalistic and minimalistic is when you're not really getting a good visual and then excessive is when you're getting a visual but it's still kind of muddied because there's so many other words mixed into the visual that it's just kind of blocking everything and that is the case with this right here you know you could just say turn my back to the view i looked back to the car it had it, like that that's a very simplistic way to still say she's turning her back to this view and her gaze is now refocused onto the vehicle that she just left. It had begun to slightly rock. Jesus, how I had I ever dodged a bullet with an A-grade asshole like Robert Stryker III? When I said yes to hanging out tonight, the nostalgia I had wanted for old times had been too much to say no. I had been living life to the fullest a little too much for the last year, and Rob felt safe. Well, as safe as Rob ever could. He was a known danger, the devil I knew. Then I entered the car only to find out I was a third inside and a third wheel, apparently. So saying third inside and third wheel, apparently, I think that's repetition for one and two. You could just simplify that by saying that I entered the car only to find that I was apparently the third wheel. And that still gives the same impression. She now knows she's the third person, which, you know, she... If you're a third wheel, you're the third person in the group. They're, that's just self-explanatory. And so I feel like having these two, third inside and third wheel, that's just saying the same thing in almost the same way. Classic Rob, such a gentleman. Dad would probably kill him if I said a word. The overprotective man had actually smiled when I told him out. The old man had actually smiled when I told him old flame Rob had asked me out and would be around in an hour. Poor Rob had been stuck in Foxwood Glen and the Gentry, Gentry? While I had been off at college, apparently getting closer to them all. Okay, so I have to, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna mention it. You have a lot of INGs and LYs, and my issue with that is <laughs> an overuse of adverbs is just, to put it nicely, <laughs> it's cluttered and it, it's a bit lazy. Um, you know, especially when it comes to, to dialogue. You know, good dialogue should use strong verbs rather than just relying on these LYs and INGs. You know, oftentimes these adverbs mean the same thing as a verb anyways, and so it's a little redundant to just resort to them all the time. You know, and, and you know, my best example of that I'm actually going to take from a website that I uh, read a while back when I was first learning about the adverbs because, you know, I'm not trying to make an impression that I've never made these mistakes before. Obviously, I know not to make these mistakes because I learned to not make these mistakes. But, you know, my best example is, you know, if you write, I'm leaving, he said angrily. You know, if you just said he thumped on his desk, I'm leaving, you putting the description in there that he's thumping the desk, like he's slamming his fist onto the desk. By the way, it's an ED, thumped his desk. You know, and then he says, I'm leaving afterwards. You're expressing this person's angry because they actually showed it with them slamming something and then he just said i'm leaving and you only had one ing in there so you only had one adverb and you know it, it's just having all these ings and ly's not only does it make it messy it just it just aesthetically isn't that great to look at you know so 
definitely going forward, I would try to really think about things before you're writing them, you know, and ask yourself like how many INGs and LYs am I using? You know, try to like limit them to like maybe like, I don't know, 10 per chapter. Ideally, I think there's a rule that like authors shouldn't use more than one adverb every 300 words. And I'm not telling you count out every 300 words. I'm just saying that like it should be a limited usage. It should be like the gr holy grail, like I'm gonna whip this out of my pocket and it's my secret weapon type of thing. Like you don't use your secret weapon every single time you battle, do you? No, you don't. You just use it when you need it. Um, so it's just, yes, adverbs. Please, 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 please use them wisely. Anyways, moving forward. I must have been some level of hellish bored to I to actually say yes to hanging out, question mark. It didn't seem like a great start to the first few days home, but hey, maybe I was actually a wingman to my ex now. He could actually be fun when not trying it on. Not trying it on? What is he trying on? Or acting the part of old frat bro. Acting the part of old frat bro. So I would just get rid of the when not trying it on part and just saying he could actually be fun when not trying to act the part of an old frat boy. Bro, whatever the fuck, bro, boy, I don't really care. But you should just get rid of that not trying it on thing because that's a little confusing. You know, the goal in writing is to not have your readers be like, wait a minute, and then have to reread something and then understand it after like a second or third read. They should get it immediately. I'm not trying to like be a dick right now. It's just... You know, I feel like sometimes when I read novels on Inkit or on Wattpad, I feel like nobody ever like reads aloud their story or just rereads what they've written in general because there are some things that I think are really simple that someone could catch and be like, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense. And if you yourself are stumbling over your words while you're reading something, there's an issue, you know? So I really think that more people should you know, read their stories aloud. You don't have to record yourself. You don't have to post it. You just, just read it aloud. You know, go over every few paragraphs or every chapter. Just go through and yeah, it's gonna be stupid. You're gonna miss things. You know, there are things you will miss because you already know what's in this chapter. You know what I mean? But I promise you there's gonna be a lot that you're gonna catch as well. I know our parents would always hope for something more. A joining of the two obnoxious fortunes to hit the elite pier. Well, holy fucking shit, to actually marry Rob Stryker. After getting a college experience, to see that the world was full of possibilities outside of the bubble I had been in my entire life. I don't know why you're putting question marks into this. I feel like, like having to actually marry Rob Stryker, like that makes sense to have the question mark because it's kind of more like a bafflement moment. Um, after getting a college experience, question mark, and the entire life, blah, blah, blah. Like, I feel like that those are more statements and those more are leading up to an explanation rather than continuing to question something. Because she's stating that, like, you know, she's gotten a college experience. She's gotten, you know, to see the world for what it is um, without Rob. I just, I don't think the question marks are necessary. Tossing my head back in laughter, my long blonde hair fell loose of its bun, and for a second, the wind picked it up and sent it flying back over the railing in the falling water. The sound of a car door opening drew my attention back, and the heavy petting couple emerged for some air. Walking towards me, Rob, for everything cocky about him, had clearly been keeping up his daily hour in the gym. So again, you have that over-excessiveness of commas. 
Jesus, he did look good. Like the picture of all American boy good. So after you have, I know I just bitched about the commas, but you have like the picture of all American boy that should have a comma good. Cause she's explaining a comparison. Like he looks as good as this and that's like, do you know what I'm saying? Magnus, Rob called out to me as he approached. And even in the dim light, I could see the new girl I had barely met look to him without, with, hold on. Rob called out to me as they approached, and even in the dim light, I could see the new grr. You wrote grr. This is what I mean. Like, if you were to go over things, you would catch things, such as running grr instead of girl. Um, I had barely met look to him with a question on her face. Magnus? Like, Carter Magnus? Feeling more than slightly drunk, I gestured the whiskey in her direction. Again, you capitalized whiskey? I don't know why you're capitalizing these things. Bottle and whiskey do not need capitalizations. The only time you would need a capitalization for whiskey or the bottle is if you were naming the brand. Whiskey is just whiskey, bottle is just bottle. Though one and only. The confusion continued to spread across her face, but I thought you were a guy. You know what, strange person, so did I in the first paragraph. Rob now pulled her into his body, brushing her ringlet hair aside to kiss her neck. Well, lucky for us, she's very much not a guy and has impeccable tits. Such a charmer. That's me commenting on that. <laughs> the young girl, probably no older than 18, the more I looked at her, ignored his mauling her neck. I would, you have a comma after the word neck. The only time you would have a comma after, the, after a sentence is if like you're continuing a conversation that she, like, if she had started saying something and then you put a detail in the middle of her saying something, like maybe she's getting ag agitated or something, then you would put a comma and then you would continue it. But she already finished her first sentence was saying she thought that she was a guy. And then, you know, douche Maru over here, Rob, then commented on something. Now you're doing another description about how old the girl looks and now the girl's speaking again. So you wouldn't have neck comma, you'd have neck period. But you're like rich, <laughs> like Forbes rich. Taking another swig of whiskey, the fire wasn't so hot going down and mentally noted and mentally noted that that wasn't the best sign. That that wasn't the best sign. Okay, there's two things wrong with the sentence. First of all, you should say I mentally noted, not and mentally noted. Um, so you're missing the I in there. And then that, that wasn't the best sign. That, 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 that. Yeah, I don't even know how to, I guess I would say taking a stick of whiskey, the, f the fire wasn't so hot going down anymore. I mentally noted that it wasn't the best sign, that it wasn't the best sign. That's not my best rendition of how I would change that, but it is better than having that, that. Um, I squeezed my eyes shut before looking to her again, dredging up her name. Kelsey, right? I don't know if you noticed, but you just moved to a secluded mountain town that has its own private ski lift and Gucci store. We are all super rich. Hell, this asshole right here just flashed a smile and they let him drive onto the damn wall. See again, you have that damn wall thing. So I would just say drive onto the dam, which would tell me you're talking about the dam. You're not misspelling the word D-A-M-N, you're talking about the dam. Beside her, Rob ignored the insult, almost reveling in it, rather. He gave the pair of us the same dazzling smile that no amount of orthodontics could pay for and snatched a bottle from my hand. Starting to feel sassier at my own insult of being grouped with Rob, who was now laying heavily into the whiskey, I spoke to the girl without looking at her. Now, I don't know what your parents do or what misfortune brought them to a town that literally houses 20 of the richest Americans most of the year, 
But personally, I don't like being defined by my parents, right? I don't know why you had the word right at the end. I would just be like being defined by my parents, period. Because it's a statement. And her being like, right, is like looking for the girl to agree with her. But the girl clearly isn't going to agree with her because the girl is looping her in with everybody else. And she's not liking that, which is why she's making this statement in the first place. Rob pulled the bottle from his lips, now a little belligerent with the liquor. Rob must be a fucking lightweight. Oh, give it up, Magnus. You're already named as heir, even over your mother. And for someone who doesn't lift a finger, you should really shut the fuck up and go back to the yacht named after you in Monaco. Even though he was acting like an ass, I turned to Kelsey and shrugged. When he was right, he was right. I had known nothing but a life of ease, and at 22, again, you've used numericals, 22 is not that hard to type out, people. It seemed harder than I would like to give it up and fight the current, so let myself be dragged with it and deeper into the Magnus lifestyle of elite colleges and affluence. Instead of continuing his normal angry tirade, Rob saddled up to me, leaning against the railing, and I felt him brush my hair behind my neck and pull the same nuzzling move he had just given Kelsey. So I want to just take this opportunity to point out your adverbs real quick. Leaning, railing, nuzzling, unconsciously, that's an L-Y, um, feeling, slightly, surfacing, letting. So that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine adverbs in one paragraph. That's a lot. That is a lot. I unconsciously leaned at my head to the side for him, the old nostalgic feeling surfacing again and slightly feeling gross that I was letting my ex do this in front of another girl. So here's the thing. You already mentioned the word nostalgic, so I would try to change it. Even though you used nostalgia, nostalgic and nostalgia are the same thing. They're the same, they're the same word. So I would try to change it to something else. Uh, granted, you did say it a little bit ago, but still, like, there's another way to describe it. This is uh, just instinct for her. That could be it. You could just say, on instinct, I leaned my head to the side for him. The feelings I felt for him years ago, once again resurfacing, are something along those lines. I don't flip and know, but it's just a suggestion. But fuck, if you didn't know how to kiss a woman's skin, with heat and depth and a little bit of tongue. Depth. How deep are you getting into her neck, my dude? In the haste of liquor, it felt like ambrosia dripping down my skin. I leaned my head further back to give him all the access. I leaned, leaning, just slowly, a strong hand drifted down my stomach and then shirt and squeezed itself inside my jeans, all the way down to find my damp panties. Against my neck, I felt the smile on his lips before he rasped out. You know, I like this card magnet much better. The one before college was pretty stiff. Ricardo goes to Princeton, joins a sorority, and then suddenly drinks and parties, always ready for a fun time. I can get behind that Carter. Literally. Maybe a menage a trois? Menage a trois? Menage a trois. My eyes snapped open with the familiar... With the familiar lit... Familiar... Familiar... Guys, I can't say this word. Familiarity. There we go. And cockiness with which he said it, only to find Kelsey had a slight look of hurt in her eyes. Well, no shit, my dude. The bastard had obviously told her that they were on a date and his old friend Carter needed someone to hang out with. I couldn't feel exactly sorry for the girl, but it didn't really appeal to me either. I pushed him off my neck and his hand found its way out. 
Hard pass, Rob. Your shitty car is not big enough to do it right. And honestly, the 90s girl to tell you that even then, menage a trois sounded gross. He leaned back on the railing and brought his finger from his wandering hand to his mouth, sucking it with a smile. I gave the man a scowl to melt his face off, but the look, but he, I gave the man a scowl to melt his face off, but took the bottle of him, noticing he had mostly downed it. Jesus, Max had some high-functioning alcoholic traits, apparently. I weighed the bottle to Kelsey, who had demonstrably, demonstrably diminished in cheerfulness since leaving the car. Rest is yours, Kels. The girl smiled shyly and knowingly before taking the bottle from my hands and sculling the rest before bracing herself against its burn. Shyly, knowingly, taking, sculling, bracing. That's five adverbs in one very small paragraph. I'm not pinpointing this out to be an asshole. I'm trying to showcase how frequently this is occurring because I feel like, personally for me, I think I mentioned this in the episode I did with Jim, you know, when someone points something out to me that I've been doing wrong or that I need to do better with, when people point it out, I'm more likely to remember it and keep an eye on it myself and grow from that. <clears throat> well then, ladies, since we're here, maybe a game of truth or dare? Get to know our new Kelsey? Our new Kelsey? I feel like it would make more sense to say our new friend. Uh, I don't really think it matters. That's just me. That is me being nitpicky right there. I rolled my eyes at the man. What the hell did my father see in this guy? I knew what the appeal was when I was a junior and he a senior in high school, but now? Did he secretly volunteer at the animal shelter? Donate blood to the nuns running the country orphanage? Read to the blind children to the library? There had to be something more to recommend this 24-year-old man who lived off his trust fund and was just waiting to... How is she 22 and he 24? Now, I know this is kind of like, you know, Scarlett, why are you mentioning their age out of nowhere? Uh, well, it's because she said he was, she was a junior and he was a senior. That means they're a year apart, correct? I mean, I guess her birthday could just not have come up yet. You know, if I really want to get technical about it. Yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna leave that alone. <laughs> Anyways, um... There had to be something more to recommend this 24-year-old man who lived off his trust fund and was just waiting till his father kicked the proverbial bucket where he could spend all his inheritance. Because truth or dare with two girls on a damn crest? Not it. Okay, I don't understand. You have this like whole tangent about like how shitty of a person Rob is and then you're like going back to the truth or dare as if that correlates with it afterwards and it doesn't. Um, because truth or dare with two girls on a damn crest? not it like that after doing that it just doesn't really make sense to comment on truth or dare anymore it just kind of seems unneeded rob did your adolescence take a hit back when you were 15 in that boarding school for a year are you still trying to prove you're not gay because of that one kiss my inner teenager is cringing at you for his part he was obviously used to my quips and ignored it while he leaned over the side Kelsey had come to the railing also, and we all watched the white foam of the Colorado River pour into the darkness below us. Right then, I'll ask first. Kelsey, truth or dare? Kelsey glanced over to me nervously, still holding the now empty bottle over the expanse before answering. Truth? Rob clapped his hands together like a circus conductor toying with the animals. A classic. Good choice, newbie. Okay, what is your biggest fear? Kelsey gave a small giggle with alcoholic jitters before turning somber at the thought. 
She stared over the darkness of the cliff that was the dam, and I saw her fingers tightly clasped the waist-high Gish. Um, she stared over the darkness of the cliff that was a dam, and I saw her fingers tightly clasp the waist-high wet railing. Okay. A few more moments of silence passed before she leaned back, still holding on to the middle rail. Drowning. Both Rob and I's eyebrows peaked at the revelation. Girl had some balls, or really wanted to fit in, to come with two of the Foxwoods elites to a dam at 2am. That, or Rob simply didn't tell her before the hour-long mountain drive out here. I mean, like, drowning would be a horrible way to die, but I don't think that that necessarily means you have a fear of water. It just means you have a fear of drowning. But I mean, like, she's on a dam, so the likelihood of her drowning is... She's just dramatic, in my opinion. Both Rob... Oh, yeah, I read that. The silence lengthened for a moment before Kelsey showed some gusto and declared, My turn, Rob, truth or dare? He gave his typical easygoing smile. Oh, let's warm up, huh? Truth. Kelsey pursed her lips and thought, obviously thinking his machismo, his machismo would win out and pick dare. Eyeing his length, swathed in deceptively expensive jeans and a red-footed flannel, I was a panel, I piped up. What's your biggest regret? I knew the answer to this. It had come up once before, years ago, when Rob had taken the long weekend to fly back from his exclusive frat house and joined those still in our senior year at the Baker's Lodge party while her parents were at the Oscars. Holy crap, that was a run-on sentence. You had, like, one comma. So you went from having excessive commas to having none. Okay. Saying no to an orgy, or rather getting too wasted in his freshman year that he said no and didn't realize it till he saw the aftermath when he woke up. Good old Rob. Nope, it wasn't that he had a terrible relationship with his father, or that he had taken off to the Bahamas for a week while his mother was on the downward spiral for chemo. No. Said no to an orgy. Biggest regret. Of course. He leaned over the railing, and I imagined he was giving the abyss a grin while he thought over his salacious answer. Finally, after a few moments, he pushed himself back and the very rare serious Rob had made an appearance, and I gave him my whole attention. He locked his eyes with me, and in the mediocre fluorescent lighting, I could tell that he probably wasn't thinking about his guaranteed laugh of a missed orgy. Beast regret? Saying no to you that night, Magnus. My breath almost caught in my throat at the sincerity in his voice, and the night he mentioned briefly flashed in my mind. What the actual fuck? I shook my head at the memory, one that had given me more than a few nights of red eyes and a bloated face the week before my senior year of high school, when Rob had gone off to college. I felt my chest and the inside of my pocket my and the inside pocket of my leather jacket feeling the protruding bulge where it should be. What what what? What what? I what? I felt my chest and the inside pocket of my leather jacket feeling the protruding bulge where it should be. Pulling out the engraved flask, I quickly uncapped it and took a swig of Dad's immature bourbon. So you're talking about a flask. Okay. Um, I wouldn't open the next paragraph like that because I didn't make. I was so confused. I had no idea what you're talking about. Moving forward, my body shuddered, whether the from the high shelf whiskey or the memory of the night when he doled out my first heartache, the night when he set us out on an annual, the night when he set us out on an annual cycle of will they, won't they crap. I've been determined to break it this year, but maybe I was too weak. Will they, won't they what? I don't get that. Pocketing the flask again, I leaned back onto the railing and smiled at him, anxious to at least leave that night in the past. The night 
had fucking sucked. That night had fucking sucked. Well, that was a long time ago. Woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know? I clapped my hands together and rubbed them in feign coldness. So, my turn. I take dare. Let's get this over with so we can get the hell out of here. I raised my eyebrows expectantly at Kelsey, looking more uncomfortable by the second. I assumed she would try and show me up with something low-brow and demeaning. Spelt demeaning wrong. Like kissing her or gyrating on the car. She couldn't be feeling good after Rob pulled a bait and switch on her on what she thought was a date. Instead, Rob made to answer and I amended my proposal before he could speak. Nothing I've already said no to tonight. Thank you very much. Sex acts caught on that security camera is a no from me. He quirked his lips, knowing I could read his mind, he adjusted himself inside his pants. Climb up on the railing and let go for three seconds. What? I whipped my head over to Kelsey, who had ensued the challenge with surprise. She had a slight smug grin on her petite face, and I was a little shocked that I had got such a wrong read in her. Usually I was good with people and had begged, pegged her for a shy girl, new to town, wanting to, re to reinvent herself. I guess she was more pissed off than I had guessed. Her eyes flashed over to Rob, now leaning up against the offending rail and judging the battle of wills. No, I had a right. She was just trying to fit in, but was trying to take whom she thought was Queen B down a peg or two in Rob's eyes. Frowning at the dare, I pulled my long hair back in my hands and twisted it around on itself at my nape, eyeing the railing in question. Sighing and looking to the darkness and boulder beyond, I studied the metal rail. You say the word rail a lot. <laughs> About four feet high, it came to my waist. Which you already said it was a waist high rail like a couple paragraphs ago, so again, you kind of already said that. The middle railing was up a foot and would hit my shins. You would need a strong core to hold yourself up and the wind pushed. You would need a strong core to hold yourself up if the wind pushed you forward. And I grinned. A strong core? Hell, I could put a yogi to shame. Coach had made sure of that in the last season with the team at university. I began to walk over to the railing, seeing if Rob would try to stop me from doing something moderately dangerous. He remained frustratingly silent and watched me with a morbid curiosity and a twinge of a grin. I shook my head. It wasn't like it was the most dangerous stunt we had done, but fuck this guy. Letting some new girl try to stake a foothold in what she mistakenly thought I wanted by letting me do a stupid stunt. Fuck them. Fuck them all. Only a few days back in the sheltered money-rich town my parents had holed me up in for 22 years and I was destined to be stuck with pricks like Rob. I needed out. But first, it seemed I needed to, to scare the stupid out of myself. Leaning over the railing to make sure I wasn't going to hurl, I looked down the wall of the dam and realized if anything went awry, I would not be riding back in that shitty car. Instead, I would be taking a ride down the rough Colorado River. I couldn't see, but imagined it was full of rocks. I would not be going home. But I was nothing if not stubborn, a madness to my core. I took a large step up to the middle rail, holding onto the top of my hands and planted my feet. It slipped a little against the wetness of the bar, but settled and after a moment, I slowly released the top bar and lifted myself up to a standing. Lifted myself up to standing with eyes squeezed shut. Wind rushed up from behind and my long hair whipped. Again, the only descriptor you're using for her hair is my long hair, my long hair, my long hair. It's a repeated phrase you're using to describe the same thing over and over again. And I'm not saying that there's technically anything wrong with that, but at the same time, I know she has long hair. You could just say, my hair whipped around my face. Stray strands of my hair whipped around my face. Something along the lines of removing the word long from that descriptor, because we know she has long hair. And I took a deep breath against the chaos that roared in my ears. 
My eyes slowly opened and I spread my arms wide in exhilaration at the prospect of death. The howling wind pushed me forward and I strained my shins against the leverage the bar was giving me, tightening my stomach to stay upright. I looked down to my feet and once more saw the water fatalistically rushing to meet the ground and in that moment I realized something important. I was fucking losing it. After four years of freedom, rebelling against the previous 18 of Sanctuary, I had finally taken it too far and I was on the literal edge. Hands suddenly wrapped at my waist and pulled me back off the chasm, the breath stolen from my lungs as I thought I was falling. Instead of meeting the ground, I was clutched into another warm body and I smelled Rob's cologne and his breath in my ear. You're so fucking crazy, Magnus. God, how I've missed you. I've missed you so much, baby. The adrenaline was still coursing through my body when I pushed him and his embrace away. Piece of cake, I stuttered. Shit, I stutter. Long, long under control had chosen to make a return with a fear and adrenaline. Rob gave me a kind, knowing look at the slip, while Kelsey narrowed her eyes in my direction like a shark smelling blood in the water. Really, cake, she replied with some skepticism. I took a deep breath and thought over my vowel and stutter exercises from long ago before confidently replying. Pie, actually. Rob, sensing a brewing battle, jumped in. Well then, Carter, let's get some more of that fireball you prefer, huh? I think you deserve it. Ladies, your chariot awaits. Rob made a grand flourish to his car, and Kelsey giggled, the sound grating like nails across the chalkboard. I planted my feet on the hard concrete. Hold up. Like hell, I'm going to be the only one who leaves this damn wall with a dare under her belt. I turned to the girl. Your turn, newbie. Truth or dare? Keep in mind, you have already chosen truth and will be the town weakling by doing so again. Her lips pursed and she folded her arms in front of her. Yeah, she knew what I was doing, but at this point, I was resolved to give everyone their licks. Okay, old maid. Dare. I gestured over to the railing. Do what I just did, but this time, sing the goddamn national anthem like you belting it for the Super Bowl. You meant like you were belting it like the Super Bowl. Her eyebrows furrowed and she looked over to the railing. Rob came between us, his hands up in peace. Ladies, ladies, ladies. <laughs> Let's not do this. You can both have the D tonight, I promise. No, it's okay, Rob. Piece of pie, right? She said with a small grin in his direction. We began to walk over to the bar. The bar. I looked up at the girl, now studying her body. She was thin, like wafer thin. Her clothes hit it well, but she probably weighed it buck ten, if less. I wasn't thick, but I had the muscle to withstand that wind. This girl was in for a ride. Her hands grasped the railing, and she looked down, pausing at the dark sight. I suddenly remembered her confession from earlier. Afraid of drowning. God, I had become the town bitch, and I took a step over to her guilt. Okay, new girl, you passed. Welcome to the Rich Assholes Club. I'm sure you're going to be a spectacular delight to our ranks. Now let's take this douche up on his offer of liquor and dick and get off of this fucking death trap. She turned her head to me, almost contempt, and began to raise her foot up to the rail. Watch and learn. You wanted to hear it in the original B-flat, right? Kelsey really, Kelsey, really, the wind is strong. Once you stand, let's just say you did it, okay? That's the dare. She ignored me and continued to raise herself. Rob next to me was clasping his elbows and watching with amusement as his latest toy risked death. After a few moments of slowly rising, she finally made it to a full standing. I watched her with concern as her feet rocked, her body unsteadily on the wet rail. She had begun to sing the national anthem when again I felt Rob on my side pressing close. The liquor he had sculled seemed to really be kicking in, because his next words came out slightly slurred. Sculled, again you said sculled before. I meant it, Magnus. Biggest mistake of my life, telling you that no that night. No girl has ever come close to you since then. Say you forgive me, baby. I hate it when people say baby. Like, I don't know. I hate being called baby. 
So whenever I read it, I'm just like, ugh, such a douchey way to say things. Um, yeah, yeah, Rob, I forgive you. Did you know she could sing like this? I motioned up to them, Kelsey, now halfway through the anthem. Despite occasionally wobbling, the girl had some pipes and was taking my direction seriously, blasting the star-spangled banner so beautifully that I actually might have been good enough for the Super Bowl. Rob crooned in my ear again, and this time clasped my chin hard while placing an arm behind my back, pulling me to focus on him. He smelled like liquor, which you've already mentioned, and even his good looks couldn't erase the hard look over his features. Seriously, Carter, I want you back. I made so many mistakes with you, but we always come back to each other, right? The look of incredulity and confusion on my face must have somehow encouraged him because his soft lips were suddenly on mine, and his tongue was forcing itself inside. I pressed my hands against his chest and pushed him away. Fuck Rob, never change, huh? Well, let me do it for once and declare, no, we are never going back to each other. I think this night proves we should just let it go, alright? A look of hurt quickly passed over his face before it was replaced by one of anger, and he latched onto my wrist aggressively and pulled me into him again, violently holding our faces together. So one thing I want to say is, like, saying we are never going back to each other, I get what you're going for, but I should just, I think you just go with the cliche term, we are never getting back together. Because um, just saying we are never going back to each other kind of just sounds a little weird to me. Uh, it just hits the ear wrong, I guess. I thought we were past the you say no but mean yes shit. Playing the tease is growing old, Carter. He mashed our lips together again, this time losing all pretense of a kiss, instead trying to dominate my will to his. I struggled in his grasp, now even more determined to lose this man for my life. I broke out faces apart. I broke our faces apart. I would say rid this man of my life. From my life is right. But I would just say rid this man. Sorry, I had to put my phone on silent. It was blowing up. Um, Rob, grow a fucking clue. I'm done with you. Again, grow a fucking clue is kind of a weird term. It's get a fucking clue. I know that these are kind of cliched terms, but like... Grow a fucking clue doesn't really make sense. And I don't really see get a fucking clue as a cliche either. I know it can be deemed as one because it's a term or phrase that everybody knows. But um, it's not like you're being like, all that with a bag of chips. So I think that it'd be fine just to say get a fucking clue. Um, as if that was his last straw, he clasped my chin again and pushed me away with force, tumbling me to the ground. And I hit it with a thud and maybe a sprained ankle. Um, okay, so... First off, you have one, two, three commas, and then the period. Um, so that's over excessive use of commas once more. Also saying, and maybe a sprained ankle, I feel like you would know. You, you, you would, you would know. Like, <laughs> there should be, I feel like if she maybe sprained her ankle, maybe dive into that a little bit more with the detail. Maybe explain, like, you know, of pain shot up her foot, uh, giving it a once over. I can only come to the terms that it might be a sprained ankle. But, you know, just saying maybe a sprained ankle, it kind of just loses a little bit of the oomph that it could have because you're not describing the pain of her ankle and how it might be sprained. Because um, spraining your ankle, it's very painful. It's very, very painful. So I definitely think that you should dive in more detail with that. Behind us, Forgotten Kelsey had stopped singing. I wouldn't say Forgotten Kelsey. Uh, I would say behind us, Kelsey Forgotten had all of a sudden stopped singing and had noticed the altercation or saying, you know, this is the one time I'm going to reference, uh, I'm sorry, not reference, uh, 
say to use an ing but then say noticing the altercation so behind us a forgotten kelsey stops singing noticing the altercation between rob and i or something along those lines just because saying forgotten kelsey had stopped singing i think that it just would sound smoother if you just said kelsey all but forgotten stop singing <sighs> lowering herself back to the bar she lifted her foot off to touch the ground when she lost her balance okay so you have this is where the excessive commas are kind of annoying because it doesn't make sense to have the commas where you put them yeah she lifted her foot off to touch the ground comma when she lost her balance comma and lurched forward instead comma over the bars so lowering herself back to the bar comma that is correct she lifted herself she lifted her foot to touch the ground when she lost her balance and lurched forward instead period just get rid of over the bars and just end it with lurch forward you don't need that many commas and they're just in a, they're just inappropriately placed her hand holding the rail twisted as she toppled over comma and she screamed as her weight was forced onto the twisted joints again you don't need a comma there it's if you're doing an and you don't need a comma there unless you're like going i got chips comma a soda comma and a bag of twizzlers that's when you would do the and with the commas but if it's just toppled over and she screamed you don't need a comma <clears throat> her second hand quickly joined the first but seemed like it couldn't get a hold of the wet metal um maybe like go into more detail of that like is her hand kind of slapping against the metal and while she's trying to grip it she just keeps losing her grip uh normally because metal makes a sound if you're trying to desperately slap against something it's gonna make a little ting ting sound so maybe they're hearing that you know something else has to kind of like be detailed in there um and also i wouldn't say it seemed like she couldn't get a hold of it you either can or you can't so maybe just say but she couldn't get a hold of the wet metal or couldn't get a grip on the wet metal i gasped as she toppled and i lurched forward on the ground you use lurch twice now um anywhere to use the word toppled twice uh as if i could catch her pain surged through my sprained ankle and I grabbed it in surprise. I don't think you would grab it in surprise. You're very much aware at this point that you might have a sprained ankle. I think I get what you're going for. Like, you know, you maybe momentarily forgot that you had a sprained ankle or a possible sprained ankle. But I feel like that little information about the sprained ankle should have been when you first mentioned she might have a sprained ankle. Another wild scream from Kelsey. The sound nearly lost the crashing water now below her dangling feet. I wouldn't say now below her dangling feet because she was on this pole anyway, so it's always been kind of below her. The only difference is now she could plummet to her death. I would just say the crashing water below her, uh, that laid below or something. Um, between us, Ron now stood still and watched her in a stupor, as if he was watching an action movie and he was just an audience member. Rob, help her! I screamed up to him, and he looked down at me, clasping my ankle. His lips lilted to the side of peculiar peculiar side smirk i cannot say that word unless i say it really slow so do not at me <laughs> say love me magnus rob stop playing move your ass he turned and slowly started to back up in kelsey's direction her grip slowly slipping in the half light say you feel the same and i'll pick her up lickety split rob cut the shit we will never be together you fucking psycho for exactly reasons like this I gestured to the woman hanging off the ledge of a 70-foot drop. Was this fucking real life? Rob dropped his shoulders and braced his hands against his hips, eventually looking over his shoulder. Rob! He shrugged and turned to the railing, reaching for Kelsey and grabbing her hand over the rail and began to pull up the whimpering girl. So I just want to point out, railing, reaching, grabbing, whimpering. 
one, two, three, four adverbs in one short sentence. Out of my eyeline, I saw Rob's strong shoulders start to, starting to lift. So I think saying starting to lift, I would just say starting, I would just say strong shoulders start to lift, but I just think that the ing is just kind of unneeded there. Uh, before another moment, and I saw his back jerk. Hold on, let me... Out of my eyeline, I saw Rob's strong shoulder starting to lift before another moment, and I saw his back jerk. That doesn't really make sense. Um, maybe you could say the next thing I knew, Rob's back jerked, just because saying that before another moment, and I saw his back jerk. That, doesn't, that sentence doesn't really make a lot of sense. So I would just say... Before I knew it, his back jerked, and Kelsey shrieked a long wail that slowly faded. Rob suddenly leaned his body deeply over the railing. I wouldn't... He slowly turned around and asshole Rob was gone. In his stead was something between numb and stoned Rob and bitter Rob. Okay. His hand came up to his face. It glistened with water. But what? She just slipped. I had her and she slipped. The pain in my ankle now forgotten. I rushed and joined him at the railing. What... Fuck! I screamed and took a deep breath, staring with wide eyes down at the white monster roaring below. I focused on my words. You fucking dropped her? My throat began to close up with panic and I stepped away from the railing, threading my hands through my hair. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Kelsey wouldn't have survived that. No one could. I looked down at the top of the wall and spied the guard shack, a little white light in the darkness, half a mile down the mountain. I'm not gonna scream, but it says help. I screamed down the distance, and a rough hand was suddenly clamped across it. Across it. Tears started to run down my cheeks and onto the hand. Shh, baby, shush. Whoa, 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 whoa. I wrenched my head away from the hand with a sob. Rob, what the fuck? She's down there. I remembered my phone in my jacket pocket and fumbled it out, nearly dropping it. I had only woken it up when it was abruptly slapped out of my hand, Rob immediately grabbing my palm to soothe the pain. Baby, baby, think about this. We've been drinking... She's new, poor as shit general manager's daughter. I have my own dedicated paparazzi in town, and this would not go well on the quarterly earning report, okay? I wrenched my body out of his grasp and looked at him in horror. This was fucking sick. That girl was most likely dead, but not even trying for help with some level of unhinged. Not even trying for help. Um, again, that doesn't really make sense. I, I, I know that it... Her wanting to get help does make sense. The wording doesn't make sense. I just wanted to clarify that. I stepped back and my hand I stepped back, my hands up in defense against the craziness that wanted to placate placate? Placate? Sure. Placate me into letting a girl fall to her death. What? I don't really understand that. I mean So I looked up placate. 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 And it says to, uh, it's a verb, make someone less angry or hostile. So let's look at this. I set back my hands up in defense against the craziness that wants to placate me into letting a girl fall to her death. So, uh, in defense against the craziness. So I think that you're referring to Rob as the craziness that wanted to. I don't get, I don't see, I don't think this word works in this sentence. Make someone less angry or hostile that wanted to placate me into letting a girl fall through. I don't think that makes sense. I just learned this word, but looking at the definition, placate, and hearing how it's pronounced, I don't think that this word works in this sentence here. 
I could be wrong, but I don't think it does. Moving forward. Rob, you're being straight up crazy. He followed my steps like he was approaching a wounded animal. Carter, babe, this will look terrible on the front page, but this is so easy to fix. I turned from him, feeling a fire of hysteria starting to well in my chest, and I began to run the opposite way. He screamed my name, and I put on the speed. I put on the speed down the road and felt the wet pavement beneath my boots. I ran into the darkness away from the hollering man, and I never felt it in my soul anymore. And I never felt it in my soul more. Felt what? Felt what in her soul is my question. Also, fire of hysteria. I feel like I've never. I mean, you're welcome to define, uh, des describe hysteria in any way you please, but fire of hysteria is kind of weird to me. It just kind of sounds weird. But um, I am only reading the prologue for this because the prologue was excessively long. I don't say excessively as a bad thing. It's just prologues usually are not this long. <laughs> uh, and it, this is now an hour episode. So overall feeling of the story... I think the premise is nice. I think it's not one you see too often. Um, I, I do think that, you know, obviously I've seen movies like this before. I've, I've read books like this before, but it's very rare to find books like this. Um, I do know that for a little bit, I was kind of wondering why this was a prologue. And I get it now. Now that I have the ending and I know that this uh, situation has happened for the main character, I get why it's a prologue now. But for a little bit, I was kind of like, you know, why isn't this just a chapter one or something? Um... I will say I was kind of already guessing that Kelsey was going to die or something was going to happen to Kelsey once I realized that they were all going to play Truth or Dare. So there was a little bit of like a, you know, predictability about it, but not in a way that I wasn't interested. So for my cons about the story, there's a lot of grammatical issues when it comes to excessive uses of commas or just uh, commas just inappropriately placed. Um, some of your wording is off. There are certain dialogue moments and just details where like you are describing something and either you're using too many words and so it gets muddled or you're just using the wrong phrasings for things and it just kind of gets kind of confusing. Overall though, I mean, I did enjoy reading this. Um, there was just some things that were unfortunately very consistent and kind of made it a difficult read at times. Uh, but with a once over look, if I wasn't reviewing this story, I probably would continue reading it. So out of a 2 to 10 rating, I would probably give it like a 5. Um, I think that it just needs a really good editing, a really good look over. Um, obviously, we're just going off the prologue, but I feel like with how long the prologue was, it gave me enough of the writer's uh, capabilities to really kind of just give my opinion. Um, so that said... I hope that the author found some of the things I've said helpful. I hope you guys have found something helpful out of this episode. Um, like always, uh, the authors are welcome to email me, message me somehow. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, and I have an email, s.harrisonpodcast at gmail.com. Um, and my Instagram and my Facebook are both Think It Podcaster. So, with that all said, I hope you guys are having an amazing start to your weekend. And I will see you all in the next episode. Bye!